formula to it. A very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. Hi, I'm Nikki. And I'm Courtney. And this is Everybody's a Suspect. The podcast where we talk about horror movies. Specifically, slashers. And what are we talking about this week? Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Possibly one of the best horror comedies of all time. Definitely. If you have not seen this movie, you need to watch it. It is available on Netflix, and I've watched it at least a couple of times a year since I can, since probably this movie came out. Same. Yeah. You think it's going to be just like this, like one certain type of film, and then you watch it and you just realize how completely wrong you are? By judging it through the trailer and it's just it's just such an interesting story that you just have to keep going back and watching it over and over and over and over and over again oh for sure it's it definitely kills any expectation you had walking into it but that's one of the best things about it and there's new things that you find every time that you watch this movie absolutely so a little bit about it um it was released on January 22nd, 2010. It premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. It had a budget of $5 million and only made $4.7 million because it had a limited release. That's awful because this movie should have made much more money than that. It does happen, though. Yeah, unfortunately. And a lot of times it's with actually good movies. Mm-hmm. All right. And then um, it was directed by Eli Craig, written by Eli Craig and Morgan Jurgensen, starring Tyler Labine, Alan Tudyk, Katrina Bowden, and Jesse Moss, who was in Final Destination 3 with fellow cast member in this movie. I'm going to butcher her name, Shalon Simmons. I don't know how to pronounce her name, but... He plays Jason in Final Destination 3, who is the boyfriend that dies in the roller coaster accident. And then she plays one of the Ashleys who burns in the infamous tanning bed scene. Ooh. So we've got our Final Destination connection there. What fun (laughs) death scenes. Yeah. And then um, we've also got bit players like Brandon J. McLaren, who plays Jason, if anybody's seen She's the Man, he's the um, friend of Channing Tatum who likes Eunice. <laughs> That's and right. he's also a former Power Ranger. Woo! And another bonus point for him, he stars in the first season of Slasher. That's a good series, too. Oh, yeah. I love that series. And... Maybe we will cover that series in future episodes on this podcast. Ooh. That'd be awesome. It would. All right. So I think if we're going to dive right into this movie, um, there's some really funny little bits that you get in this movie. Like when they pull up to the gas station, it's called Last Chance Gas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the beer that they're drinking is just labeled beer. (laughs) I love the little things this movie does. Yeah, same with the um, the bug spray that Allison is like looking at when they're in the store that before she picks it up. It literally just says like bug spray. <laughs> at least it's this... not terrible product placement. That's true. Here's looking at you, Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing Transformers Four in the theater, 
and they were in China and then there's just this bus in the middle of the screen and it as it's blowing up you just see this Victoria's Secret ad right on the middle of the bus. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then Mark Wahlberg runs into this guy when they're in New York and he like takes this guy's beer, opens it and he's drinking so you can see this Bud Light logo right on the screen. <laughs> Product placement. That's what happens with big budget movies. Yeah, so I can actually enjoy the fact that this one just says bug spray and beer. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, when the, when you first see them, you just see Daryl or Dale kind of just staring at the kids as they're driving mm. by, like with his mouth open, like kind of looking like dead in the head. Yeah. So it kind of makes you think that these guys are super creepy. Yeah, I mean, they kind of like from that first shot when they're like both driving and they like pass each other and stare at each other. There's like this real like kind of almost like creepy vibe that you're supposed to get based on like the way it's shot and the looks on their on Dale and Tucker's faces and like the music cue. Whereas like the kids in the car are like, oh my gosh, those guys are so creepy. And like we know that they're like going to go have fun and go camping in West Virginia because they're college students and like, it's going to be that kind of movie. And then there's like these two creepy hillbillies. So like already there's this kind of like created bias of like all of these characters are important, but it's like there's the kids and then there's these two hillbillies. Yeah. I feel like it introduces the characters quickly. It does. Yeah. Um, And then we have actually that Tucker and Dale are pretty, pretty normal guys and mm-hmm. they have really good conversations and you know Tucker's trying to encourage Dale to go talk to Allison and then for some reason <laughs> Dale picks up the scythe <laughs> and goes over to them and just kind of smiles and laughs and you're I mean like, it no was good advice it was a good idea I think it was good advice like if you're nervous to talk to a girl and like Dale was super nervous and Tucker was like just smile and laugh and and just talk to her and then he went over there and like it, it would have been just maybe awkward if he was like smiling and laughing like that but because he had the thing in his hand they like the, the kids were just terrified and chad just like jumped out and was like you guys get in the car like he put himself between dale and the girls like and dale had of course no idea what he was like projecting towards them <laughs> yeah i mean if you're gonna go talk to a girl probably good idea to not have a scythe in your hand maybe just a little bit yeah and oh gosh and just the look look on his face where he's like oh man oh poor dale he's so adorable he is he he really tries i love tyler labine in this movie (laughs) i you know he did a bunch of like ad-libbing too and he picked out like some of the stuff that he wore (laughs) that's awesome so yeah, like his uh, what is it? His his hat that says "Giver." <laughs> like he he thought of that and they made it. That's awesome. I love when actors can actually get into character by actually helping develop their character, mm-hmm. and I just I think that gets the character to become even more real. Exactly, and like his Dale's whole thing is that like he stares at Allison, he just like stares at the kids, and it's creepy to them. And then, like, later on in the film, he has a line where he's like, they hate my face. 
and it fits so well with like his logic but at the same time he just completely ad-libbed the line <laughs> like it just it just worked out well like it's just that those two together dale and tucker are were just it was excellent casting i know and who doesn't love alan tudyk i know he went to juilliard he did go to juilliard <laughs> I, I guess at this point, if you don't know Alan Tudyk, what are you doing with your life? You know Alan Tudyk. I mean, he's been in so many things. Uh, Firefly, A Knight's Tale. He... Uh, Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Rogue One, specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, he was Hey Hey in Moana. Yeah! <laughs> Believe it or not, Hey Hey had a voice actor and it was Alan Tudyk. Had to go to, to, to Juilliard and learn how to make those chicken noises. I absolutely love Alan Tudyk. I think He's great. Oh, absolutely. And I I just need him to be in like everything, please. <laughs> <laughs> and they play so well off of each other. Yeah, it was they were they were absolutely a great pairing to have as Tucker and Dale. You've just bought their vacation home of their dreams. Yeah, and it was a fixer upper. Lakefront cabin. Yeah. Gosh. A scene when they're leaving the gas station and they're <laughs> driving and they see the sheriff behind him. Gosh. And, and then- Dale leans over to try to help Tucker because Tucker spills the beer on him mm-hmm. and he gets caught. So the sheriff pulls up and it's just Dale without a shirt on. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I just... You know, there's something to be said for comedy and horror and how well they work together, even in a movie that doesn't take its, um, even even in movies that take itself way more seriously than this one. Mm-hmm. You, when you have comedy, it it breaks the tension enough that when the tension comes back, it's it's harder hitting and it makes it even scarier and better because then you get this range of emotions. And I feel like the comedy can kind of help you connect with the characters a little bit more. Absolutely. I agree. And that's one of the nice things about this film is because like, obviously, as the audience, we know what Dale and Tucker were doing in the car when the cop pulls them over and then the but then the cop walks up and he just thinks he's witnessed something completely different. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's just they do a really good job of showing you that as the audience from like both perspectives and like, you really you really walk away being like, just that perspective is everything and you really are not entirely sure that you've seen Mm -hmm. the exact same situation through the same lens as someone else. Right. And I think that's the main theme of this movie is misperception and miscommunication. Um, Definitely. It it becomes a more pointed um, thing when Allison says that what she's doing, what she wants to go to school, and that one of the things is she wants to help people communicate better. And this movie is just all about misperception and miscommunication and judging before you get to know someone. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you read into the different perspectives we got where – it was the college kids' perspective of the situation and then Tucker and Dale's perception of the situation. I mean, it was... That's... it. When I... Ugh. It goes back to the opening scene um, when they're both on the road and they pass each other and it's like they've there's almost been this, like, traffic accident and then they're... The college kids are passing Dale and Tucker and Dale and Tucker look like these just 
like whacked out hillbillies and the and the college kids are just like oh my gosh those guys are so creepy so there's already this like created bias of who everybody is and then throughout the movie every single situation like even though we know it might be like an innocent thing where Dale and Tucker Tucker are just trying to like fix up their cabin but what the kids see is like they're you know running after him with a chainsaw or um something else so it's um it's interesting because it's it's kind of like you only see what you want to see like the kids were so focused on like getting Allison back um and like storming the cabin whereas um like even when Dale and Tucker saved her from the water like they just looked over and saw her being dragged into the boat and Dale and Tucker were like we have your friend and they just all ran out of the water screaming I mean if you put yourself in that situation are you gonna run out of the water screaming are you gonna be like wait what happened? Why do you have my friend? What's going on? Like, it's just, um, the film kind of sets it up so that the kids are always like ready to believe that Tucker and Dale are like the evil ones and they have to save their friend. And whereas like Dale and Tucker are just completely taken aback by why all these kids keep dying around them. Yeah. It's like they're going through two different horror movies. Exactly. But they're all, it's in the same universe. Yeah. Um, I always felt that, you know, a lot of the perception is these are city kids and Mm -hmm. they don't deal with them country folk that often. And so they have this really bad perception, like misconception about them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we're all kind of guilty about Mm pre-stereotyping and having like unconscious biases against people sometimes um even if we don't mean to it's just one of those things that you know occasionally we are guilty of Mm -hmm. and you know um there are a lot of horror movies that precede this that deal with hillbillies yeah you kind of inform your ideals based on like your everyday life and what you encounter and then if you find something that's foreign or different you just you're like you're immediately skeptical yeah Sometimes our preconceived notions take over mm-hmm. o- over logic and reason. Yes. And the lighting and sound cues did not help the situation. No, it didn't. I mean, it, at first it made you think, oh, these guys are going to be creepy and we're mm-hmm. supposed to care about the kids. And really, I don't give a shit about these kids. It's like, dun, dun, dun. We care They're about the <laughs> trying to fix up their vacation home. Whereas these kids clearly just want to skinny dip and get drunk, so. Right, and not to say that one is better than the other, because, I mean, to each their own, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, in a horror trope, who's more likely to die here? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, um, I think we need to get into the characters a little bit Mm -hmm. to kind of talk about this even more, especially um, Allison, who I guess we can consider the good girl of the kids. So she'd be what most movies would consider the final girl. Yeah. I'm hesitant to call her the final girl because really I consider Dale to be the final girl. (laughs) (laughs) Final boy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, she definitely has that, the uh, most of the character traits other than being like the hot blonde but the good thing about Allison's character is she's there to, like, deconstruct this idea of 
like she's not just this disty blonde that wears skimpy clothes like her friend like she's actually going to school for psychology and she uses her knowledge to help and um like each each character in this film like represents a stereotype that people have or a, or preconceived notions that exist and then they're sort of individually stripped away throughout the film right I mean, you've got Tucker, who is actually pretty well-spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's pretty good at communicating with people. Very think-on-your-feet type person. And you've got Dale, who is a trivia whiz. And he also is super kind-hearted. And this is probably something that surprises people when it comes to, I guess, the hillbilly stereotype. But he doesn't really care for fishing. And he reveals that. And so he definitely subverts the expectations of the hillbilly. Um, And then you've got the kids who you really don't care about, who definitely don't subvert their stereotypes. They totally buy into them. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't even learn most of their names. (laughs) I know. It's really hard to like pinpoint who is who. It's easier to go through them death by death. (laughs) Um, so we've got, I guess his name is Mitch is the first one to go. Mm -hmm. He is the guy that he's going up to knock on the door and then Tucker accidentally chainsaws into the beehive. (laughs) It gets chased by bees. It comes running around the house, waving the chainsaw. (laughs) So Mitch takes off running (laughs) and so does Tucker and they're running in the woods and then you get this kind of slow-mo and then Mitch runs and impales himself on a sharp branch. Uh, the deaths in this movie are so ridiculous. They are. But I mean, if no matter what the situation, if you see a dude running at you with a chainsaw, you're going to run. So I can't fault him for that. No, but at the same time, if you're going to run through the woods, look where you're going. Yeah, definitely. Don't don't keep looking <laughs> behind. You can definitely hear a chainsaw too. So even if like he was trying to look back at, at Tucker, like he should have been more careful or he would still be alive. Yeah, Um, and then the kids, of course, blame Tucker and Dale for Mitch dying. Mm -hmm. So um, at this point, Allison, she had slipped on rocks. They saved her um, from drowning. She had a bump on the head. She's woken up, and her and Dale are playing board games after he makes her breakfast. That scene was so cute, Mm -hmm. too. Oh, you don't like pancakes? (laughs) I can make you something else. else. He's like, she doesn't like like pancakes. And, And after he leaves, she's just like, Pancakes? (laughs) you just see like already she's like wait he was gonna give me food he wasn't gonna like kill me or something even though she's like asleep in his bed and wearing his clothes just because he was taking care of her he had that little cup with the little flowers in it too on a tray it was so adorable (laughs) and he got so excited when she was like what is there to do here and he's like board games and pulls out his favorite board game that was adorable like i dale's just one of those I think we could all use a Dale in our life. Yes. A nice so, yeah. Dale. So Tucker comes back. He's stung to hell by these bees. I just, I love how it seems like each movie we're doing has a callback to a previous movie already. <laughs> right. Because we, we had the Candyman, which talked about bees, and now we have bees in this movie. Um, he's stung and I like hell. how he's like yeah. complaining about it, and, and Dale's just like, um, do you want me to come over there and pull the stingers out? Because, uh, you know, he's, he's trying to be helpful. And, and Tucker's just like, yeah, that'd be nice. 
And Allison's just like taking in this whole dynamic. Like clearly these two men are not threatening. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, and, and she that- even apologizes because she's like making Dale or they're playing the board games. And so he's not out there helping Tucker with the work. Yeah. And I don't think Tucker is actually mad at him. I think he's more like rooting for him. But I think he was just frustrated in the moment because, you know, mm-hmm. he's stung to hell by bees. So. Yeah, it's not fun. No, it's not. And then, so the kids find Mitch impaled, and then they decide to come and try to attack Tucker and Dale at their cabin. Mm -hmm. This scene. (laughs) So you've got Allison who kind of repurposed Dale's clothes. So she's got this like skimpy number on, but she's in there helping him. And we find out Allison grew up on a farm. So I think in a way it was easier for her to shed her um, misperception of them and really embrace who they were because she wasn't a rich kid. Right. It seems like the others came from a privileged background. Yeah, she already like understood hard work and she knew that she could help Dale with the digging because she grew up on a farm. Whereas like the other kids are clearly like out to have fun because school's out and it's Memorial Day and yeah. Also, who wears high heels in the woods? I know. <laughs> Blondes, man. Well, hey, man. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Not all of them. Again, it's a stereotype, but um, there. I mean, there has True. to be that that character in the horror movie. So yeah, we'll we'll get to Chloe in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and I like too that they they when Tucker and Dale decide to leave a message for Allison's friends, they do it by actually carving into the wood that we have your friend. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and friend is spelled like fiend, but with an R. Yeah, they didn't spell it right because, you know, it happens. Hey, even some of the smartest people I know cannot spell worth a damn. Yeah. So, yeah, these kids, they come back. They try to save Allison. But what happens is, oh, God, what are their names? What are the names? Okay, Todd is the one who has the spear and he's running at Dale. And Dale flips around and accidentally hits Allison in the head with the shuffle, knocking her out yet again. Into and, the hole. Yeah, they both fall into the hole and then Todd trips and the spear goes in the hole and then Todd goes right onto the spear. <laughs> and then bleeds all over Dale. And then, what do we say his name was? Mike? He goes running after... Yeah. Tucker, who's working with the wood chipper, and accidentally jumps headfirst into the wood chipper. And Tucker turns around and is like, oh my god! <laughs> Can we just talk about, though, like, his whole approach was to was to run at Tucker from behind and, what, like, tackle him towards the wood chipper? Like, he did, like, a perfect dive into this wood chipper. Like, if Tucker hadn't moved, it still would have been a bloodbath, but it probably would have been both of them. Like, he, he wasn't going to get out of the way. Well, he had a little blade in his hand before he started running, and it just oh, that's really right. didn't really didn't work. <laughs> yeah. But then, yeah, the the woodchipper scene is is great because the 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 girls, the two other girls at this point, are like sort of on the other side of the woodchipper in the woods, and so <laughs> as we see him go into the woodchipper, and then uh, Tucker see him and like freak out and grab the legs, like we know that he's trying to like save him or at least pull the legs out whereas the girls from their perspective he's like put him in the wood chipper and is like holding on to like shove him in more so again it's like the right. perspective of like they think tucker's murdering their friend whereas that's not at all what happened 
Yeah, no. And then Chloe gets sprayed and spattered with a ton of blood on her face. <laughs> yes, of her friend and ruins her cute pink outfit because she stood up from her hiding spot. Right. Blood on the face. It's a theme yeah. in this podcast. Yes. Don't get too close to a wood chipper. There's splatter. Yeah. yeah. And, and also just, I love too that the first two deaths are like guys impaling themselves um just because like because because obviously the stick goes in to the hole and then he falls onto the stick and is like bleeding all over dale and it's just like oh look i've been impaled here's all my blood all over you thank you olaf for that lovely line that's 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 honestly what i think about all the time is when i see someone die like that i'm just like oh look i've been impaled well too too bad these kids weren't snowmen Um, they wouldn't be dead but yeah so yeah. And during the, all of this, Chuck had gone to the police because it was his dad's truck and only he could drive it. Mm-hmm. And Chad's all pissed off because he's like, we don't need a truck. We don't need the police. We don't need mm-hmm. the fucking cops and blah, blah, blah. So, Careful, Chad. Your psycho is showing. I know. Um, we'll get to him in a little bit because mm-hmm. that's a lot to unpack yeah. about this guy. So... They, the Tucker and Dale are trying to get the one kid out of the wood chipper (laughs) and all the kids reconvene and Chloe's sitting there trying to wipe her makeup or wipe the blood off her face. And Chad's going on this rant. We don't need the fucking cops and it's us against them. And if you can't handle that, maybe you deserve to die and blah, blah, blah. And she just looks like, oh, how dare you? And Jason goes, that's just fucked up, man. (laughs) And... Like, so they finally hear and they hear this car um, and it's Chuck with the sheriff from earlier. And so they go running and Chad's all, again, pissed off because they're trying to get the cops. Yeah. So he because doesn't even the cops bother are always, with them. Because the cops are always such a good option to get in a horror movie. But at the same time, Chad is like, you know... Cop is a good thing in real life situations when you're in the woods and being hunted, right? So try to try to get cops, I guess. I don't know. I've never been in the situation, so I guess I can't really say. <laughs> I mean, I guess it goes back to the whole idea that like college kids from the city would of course be like, "Let's let's get the police. They'll help us." Like um so I mean, I guess I can understand that. And then, of course, Chuck, that's like, he's, he's, I mean, he's clearly like the douche of the group from the beginning, but that's the moment where he like sets himself apart from everybody else where he's clearly like maybe got some other issues. But yeah, so that, so he just watches them all get in the sheriff's car and they drive off to Tucker and Dale's cabin. Yeah. And so Tucker and Dale are trying to get this guy out of the wood chipper. They finally succeed and the body falls on Dale. Dale's like, get it off me, get it off me. And Tucker's trying to drag it off, and he goes, not on the face, not on the face. Because <laughs> his intestines are, like, right there. Yeah, it was, like, pulled, the, pulled right over him. Yeah. I died, though, when they were dragging the half of body, and Tucker just goes, he's heavy for half a guy. I know. And I love, too, that when the, the, uh, the cop car pulls up, like, uh, Tucker drops one of the legs, but Dale's just like holding onto the dude's leg, even though clearly they've been caught with half of a body. <laughs> he just clutches onto the leg without dropping it. 
and Tucker's, what does Tucker say? He's like, we've had a doozy of a day. Yeah, we've had a doozy of a day. He's like, let me do all talking. I think that's going to be my phrase from now on when people ask me how my day is going. I've had a doozy of a day. Okay. <laughs> it's good. Well, I mean, because if you think about it, like their logic about why these kids are dying kind of makes sense because um, it does. like as the audience, we know that they think these kids are like trying to hurt Tucker and Dale because they've taken Allison. Whereas um, they keep dying. But from like Tucker and Dale's perspective, they just, it's like they've just witnessed three people dying and they've had nothing to do with it. So the idea that these kids are here for like a suicide pact and then they have to get Allison because obviously she, they have Tucker and Dale have her. So she's not like participating anymore. Um, is actually really clever. Yeah. Well, then they've got the body. Tucker's trying to talk his way out of it. And the sheriff's like, do you really think I'm stupid to believe a story like that? And they're like, no. And Dale just doesn't know when to shut mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. and says, yeah, we got a girl inside and she's unconscious. <laughs> and she's in my bed. <laughs> like, and uh, Tucker's just like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I freaking love this movie. I do like it too because the sheriff at this point clearly is like, these two men are crazy. Um, but then when he agrees to like, when he asks them to like show him the girl, um, he's not like drawing his weapon or anything or like ordering him around. Um, he just like he goes to follow them into the cabin and then he just like look back, looks back at the kids like, just, just wait a minute. And the kids, of course, are like, why is he going in the house? Why isn't he arresting them? Because they don't understand that, like, he's going to show them Allison. So they don't understand why he's the sheriff is going into the cabin. Right. And then, of course, all they see is when he comes back out. <laughs> Whoops. Look, he hits you- Chekhov's beam. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta oh, watch out for those beams, man. Yeah, and then <laughs> Dale's like, I told you we needed to fix that. Tucker's like, you're not putting this on me. <laughs> he did it to himself. <laughs> and so the sheriff now has a beam with nails in his head. Mm-hmm. Tetanus. He does make it back to his car, though. Yeah. <laughs> what does Dale say? He's like, how is he still walking? <laughs> I know, it's like, how is he still walking? They did They did that in, um, in Scream 4, too, when the cop gets like, stabbed right in the uh front of the head and he's like still <laughs> walking yeah yeah because yeah. it's like he's like fuck bruce willis because that's the last thing you wanted to say before he died but they actually did research to see if there was like because you hear stories about people that get like shot in the head and do all this stuff and then they they like walk into the er and you're like how is that possible and so the movie actually did research that there's like ways that you can get injured in your head and like the way that like um like the parts of your brain, um, the parts that control like memory and movement and stuff, depending on where you get hit, even if you have a fatal wound, you can still be able to like walk and in some cases speak, at least for like a limited time until you bleed out. Um, so that's like a real thing that you can have like a massive head injury, like with nails going into your forehead and still be able to like walk around. Oh, that's awesome. A little creepy, but that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I don't love horror movies. I just spend way too much time reading about them. 
It's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Information information like that is helpful for a podcast. Um, and occasionally on a first date. I don't know if I would go with that on a first date, but all right. It's more of a help get me out of your tactic. But yes. Um, oh, better than the friend with the emergency call tactic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Sheriff, who is technically like the kid's salvation from these two hillbillies, is now dead. Yes. And Chuck decides to be a hero, jumps out of the car, grabs the cop's gun, and is trying to point it at Dale and Tucker. And Dale goes, oh, you have to take the safety off. And Tucker's like, what the fuck, man? Don't teach him how to kill us. I mean, I like I like that, too, that Ch- that um, Chad is like this, you know, douchey college city boy and, like, doesn't know how to shoot them with a gun. That's Chuck. Chad yeah. is the douche that is psycho. Yeah, yeah, that's, sorry, that's what I meant. See, see, they even have similar names. <laughs> yes. But yeah, then he's like, oh, I don't know how to do this. So he's waving the gun around, trying to figure out how to take the safety off, and then shoots himself in the head. Yeah, because that's what you do, is you, you point the gun at yourself. <sighs> and then Chad comes running up, grabs the gun, mm-hmm. lets the kids out of the car, and is shooting at them. They go running inside, And Tucker and Dale are down trying to keep themselves safe. And that's when Dale sadly reveals to Tucker during a fight that he doesn't like fishing. And poor Tucker looks so heartbroken. I mean, their dream home is on a lake. (laughs) And my guess is that they've been doing that together since they were like kids. Yeah. He was just doing it to make Tucker happy. Yeah. Oh, Dale. (laughs) So kind-hearted. But then they, the kids, fucking Chad, I hate him so much. <laughs> Chad. He grabs T- Dale's dog and threatens to shoot the dog. I know. Ugh. The psychopath is, is out now. Yes. And so Tucker's like, okay, I'm going to formulate a plan, and here's the nail gun. Yeah. He's like, don't you hurt my dog. Don't you hurt yeah. my dog. Yeah. And, um... Dale almost accidentally shoots Tucker. <laughs> Dale kind of first. He's like, please don't shoot me while I'm out there. Yeah. So Dale's creating a diversion with this nail gun, and he is going ham with this nail gun. He's like, you like that, college kids? Take that. Yeah. It's like the first and- time that they, they, they really <laughs> fight back at all. Because the whole time they're like, why did these kids keep dying around us? But like the when Dale has the nail gun, he's like, you like that? You're not going to, you're not going to, uh, you know die around us you're not going to take allison like they really start to to show their agency there by yeah. by formulating a plan and getting back at him i feel like tucker always had a little bit more than dale but dale finally starts coming into his own at this point yeah and there's a whole scene about that later yeah um well then tucker's trying to sneak around and then chad is threatening the dog and dale's like if you hurt my dog i'll be real bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> And Even- Tucker's just watching Dale with his nail gun and is like, Jesus, Dale, calm down. <laughs> hey, you don't threaten the man's dog. He'll be real mad. I mean, honestly, if anybody threatened Chandler, it'd be on. Even though oh, he can't oh, absolutely, stop but, right now. <laughs> absolutely, but that's what I like about it is because... Like some something that that Dale loves is being threatened, and even he's not being like, "I'm gonna kill you." He's just gonna be like, "I'll be really mad," <laughs> and he's like almost trying not to cry. I mean, yeah. honestly, 
don't hurt dogs. Don't, don't do hurt that. dogs. Yeah, this is a definitely never, it's never okay to hurt animals. Yeah. And then Tucker gets the dog free, dog runs, and then the, Tucker leads these kids on a chase and unfortunately get, ultimately gets captured. Mm-hmm. And he wakes up and then Chad goes psycho and decides to cut his fingers off. His bowling fingers, in fact. Yeah. And then um, Allison and Tucker are at the house. Allison finally wakes up. She's obviously confused at what happened. So Tucker or Dale fills her in. And then they get a knock at the door and Allison goes and checks it. And they get Tucker's fingers. And then it kind of leads to this whole conversation about um misconceptions and their initial perception of tucker and dale and mm-hmm. you know i think we need to have an important talk about you know it, it's not so much if it walks like a duck and acts like a duck i think that phrase is extremely outdated mm-hmm. and doesn't apply to most things anymore um like i was watching don't fuck with cats on netflix And they kept saying, oh, he doesn't look like a killer. He doesn't Mm -hmm. look like a killer. A killer doesn't look like anything. They're just a fucking killer. Yeah, Ted Bundy was incredibly charismatic and, according to most women at the time, very charming and handsome. And he was Ted Bundy. Yeah. And so you can't judge somebody who's got who you're going to stereotype as a hillbilly as somebody Mm -hmm. who's going to kill you back of the woods, wrong turn style. Like it's just one of those things where we have to kind of deprogram Mm -hmm. these conceptions that we've been raised with or that we've just inadvertently been taught. Um, Like big hulking guys are going to be scary and violent and Mm -hmm. blah, blah. When in, in reality, they could be the biggest teddy bears ever. Exactly. so they just could be teddy bears that like to work out. So it's just, it's important to make sure that our biases are at least open and that we do our best to break them and Mm -hmm. understand that the stereotypes existed because people just like to group things together. And, you know, um, not to bring it to real world, but we're kind of seeing that right now with everything that's going on with the coronavirus and people stereotyping all Asians as Chinese. And we've seen Chinese people come out with stories about them getting harassed, attacked. Mm-hmm. A little girl was stabbed because a guy thought she was Chinese, like a two-year-old. Yeah, people really kind of react. Um, they can react very strongly when they're faced with something sort of unknown unfortunately so yeah and i think that's why it's important for us to always be willing to break what we know break from what we know one thing i really do like about the scene though when allison wakes up and dale's obviously distraught um and they're talking about how uh like dale's trying to explain what happened and he's like so upset that he can't but he's just like your friends they're trying to kill us and she's just like what like she's she's confused and then she doesn't like immediately believe him because they are her friends but at the same time she's like we should we need we all need to communicate about what's going on because clearly you can you can tell in that scene like what's been happening um 
from like her point of view because she knows Dale and Tucker like clearly her friends are not just like attacking them for no reason so she knows there has to be something there so I do like how it's it it's it's suddenly not like oh I'm Allison's gonna side with her friends or completely side with Dale she's like there's there's been a miscommunication we need to talk about it right exactly and um this movie does a really good job of breaking open those stereotypes and talking about how miscommunication can lead to dumb situations like this where yes. it's where people are dying and i mean it's an extreme example but again it's something that could happen because people don't want to break from their stereotypes that they're used to Right. Because um, the kids are, the college kids are, like, so ready to form these plans to actually, like, go in and and kill Dale and Tucker, Tucker to get Allison back just because of, um, like, their own ideas about what's happened. Right. So they have this conversation and, t- and Dale knows exactly what Allison thought of them. And, you know, yeah. he's upset by it, but he knows he has to go rescue Tucker. So he goes out into the woods and she's all by herself and... Um, the kids come into the house and they're, she's like, why are you whispering? I'm the only one here. And they're like, oh. oh, yeah. And then she tries to explain everything and is like, no, you guys don't understand. Tucker and Dale are really good guys. And then of course, Naomi's like, oh, I've read about this in my sociology class and this is Stockholm syndrome, which I don't know much about Stockholm syndrome, but I don't think, feel like 24 hours is a really like long enough time for that to set in. Well, I think that's this, that. See, that scene is is interesting to me because Allison mentions that she's a psychology major in an earlier scene, and her friend is like, "Oh, I've heard about this. Like, it means you've fallen in love with your your captors." Which, um, there, I mean, there there have been cases where it has been like that, and there have been cases where people have been kidnapped just like sort of join the people that they've uh, been taken by. It's like a brainwash, essentially. Right. Um, but it was interesting that she went right to, oh, you love him. And I, I like it too, because that's the scene where uh, Chad, who's been like making advances on Allison for um, <laughs> like in earlier parts of the, uh, in the, in the movie in a creepy way, of course, but he zeroes in on that. And he's like, are you in love with them? Like he really, he, he really kind of changes and like zeroes in on that idea that she like wants to say, or that she, likes these two guys because they're these like crazy hillbillies. Um, so I think again, it was like a way to, to kind of shift the narrative because Chuck is clearly, I mean, Chad is clearly losing it <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I don't know why that's, that's such a, a thing for me on, on this movie right now, but yeah, but Chad is like, you can almost see the murderous look on his face when he's like advancing on Allison and he's like, answer the question. Do you love him? And, and it's just, I just, I adore the writing and just the timing of the scene and the way it just advances the narrative. Yeah. And yeah, he's like super betrayed by her because yeah. apparently she really likes um, Dale. And, you know, I still the- don't think it's Stockholm Syndrome. But- no. That's what I mean is I think her friend was just, it was pointed out like, oh, I heard about this thing. This is what you have. Whereas she's the psychology major. So she knows that she doesn't have Stockholm Syndrome. Um, because it has been like a day, but, um, I just, the idea that like Chad is so offended by the fact that like he's, you know, cause he's gotta be the shit. He's the best. Like he's Chad, but she wants this hillbilly, like whatever. Yeah. 
He is such a narcissist in this movie. Yes, he is. Oh my gosh. So Dale and Tucker come back and um, Allison's like, okay, let's just all sit down. I'll make some tea. And then I'll intuit it. <laughs> I'll bring the finger sandwiches that just gives this murderous look to chat. And again, though, just so like once everybody is finally in the same room in the cabin, Allison's just like, let's sit down and communicate. And they do it. Well, and she was right to do that. And then we get this huge exposition from Chad. <laughs> I know. Where we find out that the woman who survived the Memorial Day massacre was his mom. And that she was institutionalized. And then he heard all of this from his grandmother. Which and also- I think at that point we were kind of like, is that the full story? Well, because also Chad is the one that in earlier in the film is he's the one that like sits them down and is like, um, do you guys know about the Memorial Day massacre? And he tells the story. So obviously finding out later that like it was his mom, like we understand why he was the one that was like introducing the scary story when all the kids are in the woods. Right. And then. And also the random admission that he can't have chamomile tea. (laughs) Um, It was just at the time, like you're just like, that it was like some random piece of information that was just thrown out there by Chad, um, which is obviously important later, but it was just foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. <laughs> but just it was like it was like the finger sandwich comment. It was just like put out there. Okay. <laughs> it was a moment to break the tension. Yes. And then we get the exposition Ooh. of the background of the Memorial Day Massacre. And then <laughs> I was just like, uh, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> And even Dale's like, well, I had nothing to do with that. Well, you're kind, did. Yeah, there's there's that lovely bias again. Right. It's interesting how the conversations in this movie can be applied to other situations. Definitely. I think that's part of the appeal of the film is it's relatable without being like a real world situation. Right. Like almost anyone can has been in a situation where they've judged someone or have been judged by someone else. So... It's like a form of escapism in comedy while still being entirely relevant. Right. So Dale's like, well, I'm sorry what happened to your family. (laughs) And he explains his side a little bit. And Allison's like, oh, we got to feel better about this, blah, blah, blah. And then Jason and Chloe break in and Jason's got the weed whacker, goes after Tucker, Tucker ducks, and Jason hits Naomi with the weed whacker. Why didn't she duck? Like, that's, I, I love that. Know. He's like, she's like, she should have ducked. She, she, why didn't she duck? Like, she's she just shocked that she's dead now because she was not smart. Yeah. And then, and then Chad flips the table over onto Dale and it just goes into hoopla. And then Chad throws, what did he light on fire and throw? I don't know. He lit something and threw it and it hit Jason instead of Tucker and yeah. Jason lit on fire. And then Chloe's like, oh, I'm going to grab this. And Tucker's like, no, don't do that. Throws it on him. And it's like, what, moonshine or something like that? Yeah, she probably thought it was like a clear glass jug of water and she just throws it on him. And of course, it's moonshine or some sort of alcohol, but probably moonshine because they're in West Virginia. Um, yeah. And suddenly he just goes up in flames and even and then he's even like trying to get near the windows and tucker's like don't touch the curtains (laughs) and so jason's dead now and 
the fire starts spreading and Tucker's like, oh man, I should have moved those gas cans. Because <laughs> of course there's just gas cans sitting in the corner. Yes. So they get out of the house and uh, Naomi grabs, and she's still alive, grabs Chad, knocks him down, tries to get him to like take her with him. She's like, don't leave me. And Chloe, of course, dumbass, lights up a cigarette and the whole cabin goes kablooey. I know. Girl had to have her cigarette when she's stressed. Yeah. So Chloe is now dead. Jason's definitely dead. Naomi's dead. And they're out there talking or sitting on the ground. And poor Tucker's like, my cabin. And Dale's upset. And then Allison's like, oh, I'm a terrible therapist. And so Dale's <laughs> trying to calm her down. And that's so cute. And she's like, no, oh, you're really good. You're good. Because they think everybody's dead. Yeah. And then Tucker's like, oh, guys. And then you see the shot of Chad get up. And Allison's like, maybe we should help him. And then he screams this really psychotic scream. And she goes, never mind. <laughs> so I'm, I like the fact that Katrina Bowden gets to be a little bit on the funnier side, too. Um, you that cannot she gets a little fix. Bit you cannot fix the murderous rage of Chad. Oh, God. And his name had to be Chad. He's just such a Chad. <laughs> All the Chads. All the Chads. So, before we get into this finale, let's talk about our buddy Chad. Mm-hmm. So, he's the one in the first scene that first talks about how hillbillies are idiots. Mm-hmm. He's the one that really lays into the idea of the hillbillies being evil. And, I, you know, we find out later it's because of that, of the Memorial Day Massacre. Yeah. And... He just won't let up from it. But then there's the weird stuff that he does where he's like, well, first of all, he comes around behind the SUV door with a fucking hatchet trying to hit on Allison and Mac on her. Like, again, don't have a weapon if you're trying to hit on a girl. Yeah, that's just psychopath logic, though. Well, to be fair, Dale also had a weapon when he tried to hit on Allison. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. But he he wasn't aware that he had it, really. I mean, he wasn't aware of what he was doing. Yeah. Nope. But Chad was creepy from the get-go. Um, and then when they were all skinny dipping, motherfucker was throwing the hatchet in the woods. He was, like, axe throwing before it yeah. was a thing. <laughs> yes. Um, Chad with his little pretentious blue polo shirt and his, God. yeah, just I, everybody knows Chad. You just you know the type, and um, this film unfortunately exposes, well, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you how you see it, um, exposes the crazy within. Yeah, and it's not just like, oh, this guy is you know, psycho from the get-go, it kind of takes a little bit to develop. Then you're like, okay, there's something wrong with him. But then it it goes back to that thing of what I was talking about earlier. Oh, this guy doesn't look like a killer. Again, killers don't have looks. Mm -hmm. They don't, they aren't always going to be burned or fucked up in the face, or they're not always going to walk around in masks or be huge or whatever. Sometimes they're just going to be douchebag frat guys named Chad. Yeah. And Although, to be fair, at this point, he is rather scarred in the face. Well, so if we're fits. talking about later in the movie. 
We yeah. haven't de- gotten through the entire development of him yet. Oh, I no. Mean, we see him multiple times saying, we don't need the police. Mm-hmm. Which is, again, to me, a weird thing to say when you're in trouble mm-hmm. and you're not trying to go get help. He's like, we don't need help. We don't need a ride out of here. It's like he wanted to stay there. He wanted to play this game. He kept it's saying probably his it, whole idea. Yeah. To go there. Because, I mean, he really has the, it I mean, was. in terms of, like, horror, he has the the role of, like, he's supposed to be the, like, hero guy that's going to save his friends in the woods from the hillbillies. And then slowly throughout the film, he like when he's like creepy with Allison and he's like being weird with the axe throwing and being like, we don't need the police. Like slowly, it's like, wait a minute, he's not trying to help. And then obviously, as he just slowly descends into, oh, he's the crazy. Got it. Right. And again, it's one of those things. Sometimes there is more than just a pretty face. Yeah. Sorry, Chandler was doing something weird, so I got distracted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chandler. Um, yeah, so it's like, again, it's just, you can't tell, you can't judge a book by its cover, you can't tell who's going to be this, who's going to be that. Like, we all knew Chad was going to be a douchebag from the get-go, but we didn't know he was going to be a murderous douchebag. Exactly. Alright, so... Obviously, we've got this development of Chad is not an okay person. And then we get to the reveal of his mom being the survivor. And we're like, oh, this is why he has such a problem with hillbillies. But it still doesn't explain why he's so psychotic. And then, you know, he gets half blown up. And now he's got a Harvey Dent thing going on. Yeah, he's super two-faced, which um, is, of course, a lovely metaphor for his character development. Yes. So um, they, they're they driving away from him, and mm-hmm. then Dale accidentally runs into a tree, and Chad kidnaps Allison, leaves Tucker for, and Dale for dead, and Dale goes to rescue Allison, and they're at this um, logging mill. Again, logging. We just keep having repetitive themes yeah. every week. And she's tied up, like, mm-hmm. would you say this is like a silent film style, like tied up and or like uh, yeah like that older idea of like the the helpless damsel in distress who's like tied to the train tracks and has to get saved right. but in this case it's a sawmill and she's being roped to the table with the blade nearby it feels very scooby-doo in a way yeah but um so she's tied up and then Dale comes to rescue her and he's like, You want a killer hillbilly? I'll give you a killer hillbilly. And he like suits up, puts blades in his boots, and just <laughs> gets in there with the chainsaw. And I do one like thing- that. Oh, go ahead. One thing I really like about this scene too that I noticed was when Dale first like busts open the door of the sawmill, there's this light behind him. And the music cue is almost like kind of hopeful or um, like angelic. It, the The whole shot is clearly framed as like, oh, Dale is going to be the savior in this situation because, of course, not only has Chad like tied up Allison, he's he kind of like tries to like forcibly kiss her because you know he wasn't <laughs> creepy enough. So um it really set up this like savior moment of dale's coming to rescue allison so i really appreciated that from a cinematography standpoint yeah for sure 
I also like the homage that they had to different um, horror movies. You know, like we had the machete earlier with Jason, obviously the chainsaw with Leatherface. So they did a good job of incorporating a few little um, homages. Mm -hmm. And then to get back to the story, we have Chad, who is, again, half burnt. Ugh, when he tries to kiss Allison, that is so creepy and gross. I mean, ugh. What does he say? He's like, you're going to have to do better than that. Yeah, because it was supposed to be like her apology for like wanting to stay with Dale and Tucker and not being with him. Ugh, so gross. And then you shouldn't have betrayed me, Allison. So he starts this up and Dale tries to come rescue her. And then, of course, Chad swings in out of nowhere and hits Dale and... So they start fighting, blah, blah, blah. And Dale has this awesome slow-mo axe throw where the axe flies past Chad and breaks the rope so Allison can be freed. (laughs) He saved her! Woo! Dale saves the day. And then he kicks him in the leg with his blade and they take off running up, up the stairs and they go through this hatch and they're up in this upstairs room where Allison finds this newspaper... And it's a picture of the hillbilly that killed everybody on the Memorial Day Massacre. And who does it look like? Chad. It looks like Chad. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and at the same time, Tucker find, or Dale finds chamomile. <laughs> yeah, and- it was kind of like a random placement. He just finds this like box of chamomile, but it's a callback to the earlier scene. Right. So then... Chad breaks through, and he and Dale keep fighting, and then Allison's like, wait, wait, and tells him that he's part hillbilly, and Chad's like, no, it can't be, I can't be hillbilly, la la la. I can't be a stereotype that I hate. Yeah. I love that that's how she explained it, like, that was the way she communicated to him, not like, you got the story wrong, or this happened, like, she's literally just like, you're part hillbilly, and he's just so in shock. Right. And then Dale throws the chamomile on him and he, he tells Allison, oh, this is the main ingredient in chamomile tea. It's, you know, it'll send anybody who's allergic to it in anaphylaxis or something like that. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, he'll be fine if he has his inhaler. And then Chad falls out the window and he's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, definitely dead now. Well, is he? Is, is he, he though? Because if you listen to the news coverage when um, we cut to Tucker's hospital room, it says the body of the murderer hasn't been found. And then we can go back to the beginning of the movie where Mm -hmm. the reporter and her cameraman are walking through the logging mill and they get hit and we just get the shot of a half burnt man in the black and white camera footage. I think that's Chad. Mm. Yeah, because also in the, um, like, when Chad tells the story, um, they talk about how the body was never found. And so it would make sense that it's like a vicious circle of Chad is now the the murderer that no one can find. Right. And then, you know, we get a cute little moment between Tucker and Dale, where Tucker's you know, ribbing Dale and be like, did you ask her out? No. And then Dale's like, well, we are going bowling, though. 
I love their friendship. It's so adorable. Like when Tucker has to encourage Dale to go rescue Allison. Mm -hmm. My favorite scene between them is when right after uh, Chad takes Allison from the truck and Tucker's like on the ground by the tree and Dale wakes up and they're talking and, and Dale like points out how he ta- Dale always like doesn't believe the best in himself like he sort of accepts this idea that he's like this dumb hillbilly even though he has like that great memory where he can like remember everything that he's ever read right which is why he's so good at trivia and so Tucker's like you gotta stop doing that like you're better than you think you are and so it's it's really it's really nice to, that they have that dynamic and that's the moment where he um Tucker's really like, you do deserve a girl like that. Like, I've seen it. I've seen the way you two look at each other. Like, you got to just go for it. It's a real thing. So that's a really nice scene for character development and for Dale personally to kind of get the, like, realize that he's already good enough. He just has to stop beating himself up and believing other people's stereotypes. Right. And, you know, this is the, I guess, the quote unquote final girl moment where Dale like suits up and levels up and to face down Mm -hmm. the serial killer. You know, this is um, Jenny facing Jason and Lori facing Michael. Like, here we go. This is the moment. Dale is facing Chad. Yes. God, that name. It just, that name with that character. I'm sorry to all the Chads out there. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, and then... I love the fact that Dale goes to visit Tucker in the room and then hold the finger. He's like, I don't remember the finger looking like that. And it's got the red nail on it. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, clearly the drugs are working. Yeah. And then um, we cut to Dale and his friend and Allison at the bowling alley. And Dale and Allison have a cute moment where Dale gives her a helmet because she keeps getting her head hit. (laughs) (laughs) And then they kiss. It's adorable, and their friend, or Dale's friend, is being creepy and, like, basically kidnaps a girl, and they're like, eh, it's fine. (laughs) End scene. (laughs) Yeah. This movie does such a good job of subverting your expectations, like, pretty much all over the place. And, you know, it's not the movie I thought it was going to be when I first um, started watching it, and then it became one of the most enjoyable and best horror comedies I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I mean, the first time I watched it, I just remember thinking, oh, it's going to be like some funny, you know, dumb thing where kids go to the lake for the weekend and then these hillbillies are like involved in their death or whatever. And it's just, it's so not that. I've I've never been surprised by a film like that. Um, Like, I mean, at least a horror film at the time when I saw it as a teenager when it came out. Um, just it's it was really nice to just experience that. I remember like watching it and just like being unable to look away. And I think I just immediately immediately went back and like watched it again or watched like parts of it again, um, when I could because it's just you just don't see it coming, and then you watch it and you just want to watch it again and again and again. Yeah, it is so rewatchable. And like I said, every time I watch it, I get something different from the movie. Right. Hmm. So what are your final thoughts on Tucker and Dale versus Evil? My final thoughts are basically anytime you watch this film, you can take something away from it. 
Um, whether whether you just enjoy the story, whether you um, just need some like escapism from the world, but also you can watch this film and focus on like certain characters or certain scenes more, like what's going on in the background, and you can find little pieces like the way sets are designed or the way things are named or not named. Um, there's just there's like always something to find, and I just I'm a, I'm such a fan of those movies, and the story is just so good and the acting is on point and there's so many like little memorable lines it's just it's a fun movie like i can be in any sort of mood and watch this movie and it makes me happy so i appreciate this film for that and i would encourage anyone who has not seen it to watch it for sure i it was recommended to me um and so i was like okay fine i'll check it out and I'm so glad that I did because, again, mm-hmm. this movie is not what you expect it to be. I didn't expect that I'd be rooting for the hillbillies. <laughs> and um, it just it introduces you to these adorable characters that usually in a horror movie would be the bad guys. And you root for them. And um, it turns out that the people that you would usually root for are the bad guys this time. Um, and it's just because of these misconceptions and this miscommunication that goes down. And the ultimate bad guy is this um, person who would be usually a hero type. So the fact that it, it broke a lot of stereotypes was awesome. I mean, yeah, it definitely played into a few, but it the ones that broke, it broke it well. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really effective. And again, I can watch this movie over and over. And I definitely also would recommend it to anybody. It's so underrated. And I just need everybody to watch it. Even if people don't like horror movies, mm-hmm. they'll love this. Yeah, it's not. I mean, because it's not really a traditional horror movie. And just the way that it deconstructs whole ideas. And it's just, it's really a film about perspective and how perspective is everything. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's a great commentary on people being so close-minded and, you know, not breaking from their stereotypes. So I like the fact that we get that kind of commentary. Right. All right. I think that is a wrap on Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Whoop, whoop. Mm -hmm. So, Courtney, what are we discussing next week? Next week, we will be talking about Bunny Man. Specifically, Bunny Man Vengeance, the third installment in the Bunny Man series, which I didn't even know there were three. I thought it was just Bunny Man Massacre, which I found out was the second one, but that was mm-hmm. the only one I've seen. So guess what I'm doing this weekend? Marathoning Bunny Man. You can never have too much Bunny Man. Have you seen them at all? Like all three of them or any of them? I know I've seen the first one. I want to say I've seen Bunny Man Massacre, but I don't. I know it wasn't recently. Um, so I will in, also enjoy rewatching them. And of course, it will be as it's now the first day of April that we're recording this. Um, it's a perfect time to watch a series like Bunny Man. Yeah. Um, because Sunday after next, after the episode comes out, is Easter. Easter weekend. Easter Sunday. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we, we plan things so well. I wouldn't go that far. It just works out. <laughs> yeah, it just works out. <laughs> we just get lucky. We're like, oh, it's almost Easter. Let's talk about Bunny Man. Yeah. I 
don't know if I'm excited to rewatch these movies, but I guess we'll have to save that commentary for next time. Yeah, I'm going into it cold, so it'll be fun. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> All right. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you next week. But in the meantime, you can connect with us on our Instagram at EAS Podcast or on our Facebook at Everybody's a Suspect Podcast. We are also on Twitter at Everybody's a Sus One, and you can also email us with questions or comments or just say hello to us at everybody's a suspect at gmail.com. Especially if there's something that you would like us to cover in the future, please feel free to reach out. We do have a little bit planned, but we're definitely Mm -hmm. up for suggestions because who knows, there might be a movie on there that we haven't even thought about yet. So we'd love to hear from you. So feel free to reach out. Thanks again, guys, and we will see you next week for Buddy Man Vengeance. Yay! Bye!